Hello, beautiful souls. We bring you conscious content filled with empowering information. Designed to align you with the fulfilling freedom of activated awareness. I am Rachel Alcyon. And I am Daniel Alcyon. Welcome to to the the Ecstatic Ecstatic Existence Existence Podcast. Podcast. Hello, growing conscious global family. We're back at it again. Mm -hmm. The Ecstatic Existence Podcast, bringing you high quality, transformative information for your life. I am Daniel Alcyon. And I am Rachel Alcyon. And I love sharing some of our hot cities with you. Some real increase in our listenership, not only in the U.S., but from around the world. Uh, Some hot cities this last week. Of course, Seattle, Washington. We're Mm -hmm. currently in Bainbridge Island, which is a 30-minute ferry ride away from Seattle. So we've got a hot pocket in Seattle. And I'm always amazed that we're really hot in Wichita, Kansas. So shout out to Wichita. Wichita, And Boston as well. A lot of viewers in Boston. Hello. Uh, Philadelphia, Raleigh, North Carolina, Detroit. Denver, Sacramento, San Francisco. Woo! Houston, Texas. New York. Miami, Florida. Portland. It's growing. Yeah. Not just in the U.S., but worldwide. So people are listening from all corners of the globe. We're talking Canada, the U.K. Yeah, we'll be there soon. So that's yeah. exciting. Both yeah. Canada and the U.K. New Zealand. Mm-hmm. We'll be there maybe next year. Yep. Yeah. Australia, India. Yeah, a lot of viewers in India. That's exciting. Representing from Malaysia, Ireland, Netherlands. Pakistan, Brazil, Saudi Arabia, Thailand, France, Indonesia, Jamaica, Romania. So let us know. Connect with us. If you are in any of these places that we've listed or somewhere that we didn't list, reach out. Let us know you're listening. Let us know that the show is doing wonders in your life. We love connecting with you. And as always, leave a review. Then we know what you want more of. And we're going to be able to get the guests that you want to hear most on the show to support your needs. Yeah, absolutely. So let us know what your topics of interest are, and we will cater this show to what it is that you want to hear more about. Yeah? Yay. And without further ado, I'd love to introduce our guest today. And this is a topic that we haven't covered yet. Yeah, we've kind of like touched on some of the aspects, but we're going to really dive deep today. I'm super excited. And our guest is a fabulous mentor of mine and a sacred sister of mine. And I just like bow to her and all her glory and wisdom and greatness. So, yeah. Our guest today is Kendra Thornbury. Kendra helps soul-centered women and evolutionary leaders create spiritual and financial freedom so that they have a greater impact and make more money, all while being true to who they are. She's passionate about making it easy for those called to serve the awakening on the planet to effectively help more people while doubling, tripling, or quadrupling their income. Kendra Thornbury is an international, highly acclaimed coach, spiritual guide, speaker, facilitator, humanitarian, and entrepreneur. She's on the cutting edge of spiritual thought and conscious business practice, blazing a new trail in the wealth revolution. She has served as a board member for the Women's Business Exchange, Women's Way Red Lodge, and has been president for the Washington chapter of the International Coaching Federation. As a personal growth junkie, Kendra's latest adventures in challenging the status quo include packing her belongings in storage and traveling the world for four years and still counting. All labels aside, she considers herself a human being simply doing her best to walk a path of authenticity and integrity while making a much-needed difference. Yay! <laughs> Welcome to the show, Kendra. Thank you. It's so great to be here. I just love you two and what you're up to. We love you too, Kendra. It's been a real pleasure working with you as colleagues. And actually, you have done some coaching for both Rachel and I. Oh, yeah. Kendra changed my whole life. Yeah, it's been massively She helped effective. me change my whole life. Mm. Rachel, tell me about that. How so? Um, Well, I met Kendra when I was, oh, in my very early 20s, and I was young and unsure of myself, and she was in a similar spiritual community that I was just starting to dabble in. So we met in Sweat Lodge, and she was, you know, she was like the big sister. She's like older and beautiful, and I, I really put her up on a pedestal, and her leadership in that community blew me away. And then we we sort of orbited each other for many years, and 
uh, I got deeper and deeper into the long dance community. And then she reached out to me and was like, I want you at my event. Mm. And I didn't even know anything about it. I thought that she was just like this poor hippie like everybody else. Right. <laughs> and then they had this fundraising event and it was like, Kendra's going to be matching $5,000. And I was like, what the fuck? Who does she think she is? I did that. And I was like, dang, she's like doing something. Yeah. And then next mm. thing I know, I'm at your event. I scrounged the money to get there. And, uh, yeah, through many blessings along the way, was able to participate in your program for mm -hmm. two years. And it was like the college that I didn't go to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I went to business school with Kendra Thornbury. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, retreats all over the world. And from working with Kendra, I have led five retreats in the last year and a half. I had my first $10,000 month. Daniel, you and I are now in business together and I've grown my business. It's like I had all this skill set in many different areas and, and you really helped me compile it in a presentable package that was mm -hmm. accessible to more people. And it's continuing to grow. It's like she empowered me with all these skills that I can just now run with. You know, from being with Rachel on this journey, mm -hmm. the biggest thing that I could witness was kind of a, a transformation of old ideas, like this falling away of old, outdated limiting beliefs oh totally and i think that was probably limiting. the biggest transformation so how for is both it of us yeah oh definitely. my gosh for our whole some, life we had some challenging moments through it too <laughs> so how do you do that kendra how do you get into these limiting beliefs and i think maybe even before to how you get in there let's talk about what some of them are what kind of areas do people get stuck in in their money beliefs yeah thanks great questions i think it's helpful to say that when we set forth to manifest something, we have uh, ambitions, goals, sites for a new kind of life or a, a kind of success or freedom, that uh, a lot of people approach it as if it's going to be a bunch of things they have to add on, whether it's a new skill set or some new strategies or new methods. And that can be true. But for the most part, really what's needed and necessary is a deconstruction. Mm -hmm. It's an unlearning process that really takes apart the very uh, beliefs, as you said, patterns, ways of thinking, ways of relating to your own self-identity and to the world that are completely irrelevant to the truth of who you are, that are completely a disservice to the aliveness that is really our natural current, right? And I believe that each and every one of us have a purpose. We have a unique divine design, and it's meant to be expressed in its fullness, which includes being healthy and vibrant and prospering and abundant. So I want to take that angle to help people understand, help your listeners understand that the significance of unlearning is far greater than what's the next... What's the next trend, right? What's the next book I need to read? What's the next course I need to take? And certainly we all need that support for a variety of reasons. There's a lot of vulnerability because, you know, we have an attachment to our stories. We have an attachment to, well, this is the way it is. We don't recognize that some of the beliefs that we grew up with are what we have come to know as our security, right? Like, this is how I feel safe in the world. And it's kind of bizarre, really, that we think that some of the beliefs that we have are what's going to keep us safe. You know, we don't really consciously go around thinking, oh, I'm going to be safe because I'm broke. Right. Or, oh, how great. I've, I've got this belief that, uh, that you know, right. if I make less money than other people, I'm going to be more secure in the world. Or if I continue to live in lack, somehow I'm contributing better as a hippie or a healer in the world. <laughs> right. Like, we don't consciously think these right. things. But they really are underneath. So some of those beliefs that I just named are the ones that I see, you know, to get to your question about what are some of the, what was that? Wasn't that the... Yeah, some mistakes some of the mistakes. The way they Yeah, where do people yeah. get stuck? Yeah. Well, you and I just had a VIP yeah. day, mm -hmm. and I'm still unpacking things yes. that aren't serving me. And, and one of them was... Um, it was like when I was really broke, I didn't have to be accountable. It's like, mm -hmm. if there's no taxes to take, then I don't have to do the taxes. And if there's no, um, money, then I don't have to pay the bills. There's no bills. So mm -hmm. it, it is a way of not having to really step up into any amount of accountability. Mm -hmm. It is safe. 
Or perceived safety. Yes, perceived safety. (laughs) And what it is, it's safety for the negative ego. Mm. It's safety for the negative ego to keep itself where it is. And Mm -hmm. so like you're talking about, Kendra, the things that are security, as weird as it sounds, insecurity might be the negative ego's security. Mm -hmm. Because it's going to hold on to exactly what it knows and resist change at all costs, Mm -hmm. right? And so where do people get some of these ideas? Where do people acquire some of these beliefs Mm -hmm. that they're stuck in? Yeah. Well, I think in those early formative years, mm-hmm. you know, that's where we really are exposed initially to our understanding of the world. So our parents, you know, and bless their hearts, unbeknownst to them, what they impart to us uh, through their language, through their modeling, their behaviors, already we start absorbing like, oh, okay, I I guess this is who I'm supposed to be in the world. Because, I mean, you, you mentioned the ego. And whether we want to admit it or not, there is still such a strong desire and drive in our consciousness to survive. And I believe that we are right now in our evolution moving from survival consciousness to thrival consciousness, which are entirely different sets of beliefs and mindset. So from very early on, You know, we have this kind of tribal part of us that's just trying to figure out how do I make sure I survive in the world? And so, of course, we're going to absorb what our parents tell us because they're like, oh, well, this is what I need to do to stay a part of the tribe. Right. Right. Well, and so much of it is verbal, you know, like Mm -hmm. money doesn't grow on trees or like whatever those phrases are that are really damaging. But then there's all that nonverbal You know, it's like, do you witness your parents every month at the first of the month when all the bills are due, like having really high tension and getting pissed Mm -hmm. or buying something, but then making you feel bad that they bought it for you. Mm -hmm. So there's all kinds of weird mind games and nonverbal icky play as well. Absolutely. And, you know, that stuff can go further back than our parents, too, Mm -hmm. because most people living in America, you know, two, three generations ago was the Great Depression. And so we have this, like, famine mentality built into the DNA because that level of fear and that level of scarcity almost reverts us back to, like, the reptile caveman survival brain. Mm -hmm. And then it takes a long time to get out of that, to get rid of that. It's Mm -hmm. built in. Right. Like, my parents wouldn't buy garbage bags because they had been taught that, you know, you reuse, like, the paper bag or the plastic bag. And so then all through my 20s, it was, like, a whole, like, kind of weird, stressful thing. Like, I cannot buy garbage bags. I have to reuse the other bags. Mm. And I finally, just in the last, like, couple of years, I'm like, I'm just going to buy the garbage bags. And actually, you know what? I'm going to spend extra money on the ba- on the garbage bags that are biodegradable because that feels really good. <laughs> so... Yeah, weird things like that. Yeah, great, great illustration, and I love what you said too, Daniel, about you know, recognizing that it's it's beyond, it's a lineage, you know, it's it's ancestral, and uh, we do inherit, we inherit energetic imprints, emotional beliefs, thought patterns that are beyond us, and we don't even know that we're carrying forth from generations prior. So much of it is learned from family, but also culturally uh, in our society, there's all kinds of messages. What can you say about some of the messages that we're receiving out there? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, media, you right. look at the influences of media, uh, advertising, I mean, advertising to me in a large part really uh, reinforces that we're not enough, yep. that we're, we're never complete on our own. I mean, the whole new and improved and And I think especially since primarily I work with women, uh, so I can really see the influences of our culture on women always believing that they're they're just inherently broken. Right. You know, they're just never enough. So that completely reinforces a a sense of lack, a sense of scarcity, never enoughness. Yeah. Not beautiful. Not beautiful. And so what it is what is it that you need to add on to you? What is it that you need to fix about you in order to, to finally arrive? And of course, as you know, because that's that's one of the uh, trances of the ego is that you never really arrive. You never really get there, which is part of the work that I do around wealth consciousness is really helping people deconstruct all this and revolutionize their understanding of what it means to be wealthy and what it means to be abundant, which is undoing the damage of how media has taught us that we're, we're never enough and really returning to the truth, which is that we are whole, we are complete. So your work yeah. is like taking 
the idea of perpetually chasing that carrot on the end of a stick that you're never going to quite reach. Mm -hmm. And then you have somebody sit down next to you at the salad bar. Mm. All you can eat. All you can eat. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things you always say is like how much joy and bliss and beauty can you take in? Like, can you take in even more? Because we do block it Mm -hmm. based on some of these mistaken beliefs and the repeated Mm -hmm. experiences and the cultural Mm -hmm. indoctrination. You help people identify where their blockages are and how they're getting hung up in these old beliefs. One of my personal ones as a pissed off punk rocker, anarchist, you know, I wanted to overthrow the system and smash the state, was a belief that money is the root of all evil, right? Mm -hmm. I would look around and I would see all the fighter jets and Mm -hmm. I would see people starving a couple miles away from a mansion and it just just made me so mad that... Well, and in some ways it is. I mean, look at what's happening with the Dakota Pipeline. That's money being really evil. Oh, yeah. It it can be used in that way, but the belief that it just is inherently evil Mm -hmm, is what impacted into myself and made a force field around me resisting all money. Mm -hmm. So after you help people identify what their blockages are, how do you get into that sacred destruction? How Mm -hmm. do you help them bring that to the sacred fire Mm -hmm. and burn them up to develop some new beliefs? Yeah, I love it. So I I just want to emphasize... There could be people who are tuning in, well, why beliefs? Why are they important? Why are they integral to my freedom, to my success, to my prosperity? So I think first off, in order to really even voluntarily be like, oh, yeah, I'm going I'm to look at my beliefs. I'm going to see my mistaken beliefs. I'm going to see how they're getting in my way, how they're sabotaging my reality and my results. For me, it's emphasizing it's, it's not some kind of frivolous exercise. It's not just going through the motions of like a trend that can help you become more successful. Our beliefs are fundamental to the manifestation of our reality. And most people don't really uh, get that. They don't understand the significance. Everything that you are experiencing in your reality right now is a direct result of something that you believe. And as Rachel so aptly pointed out earlier, there are ways of which we don't want to admit that our beliefs are creating our reality because we have to take responsibility. Uh, You have to recognize that I am not a victim to reality. I'm not a victim to the system. No one else is to blame and really enter into a new paradigm of accountability. Until you are willing, and unless you are willing to say, I am 100% responsible for my own reality. You will always remain in a certain level of victim consciousness, which is part of what this wealth revolution is about, is transcending from victim consciousness. Okay? Well, and that's what it really means to be mature and to step into your spiritual adulthood. I mean, there's so many people out there that are spiritually gifted and artistic, and they're still not willing to be accountable and own that the poverty that they're in, they have chosen that. Mm Mm-hmm. I like to teach or point out that we live in a culture, primarily this is a dominant culture throughout the world, that is oriented towards blame versus accountability. So even when you're going through that individual process of recognizing, you know, oh, I have some beliefs that are, you know, really uh, getting in the way of what I want. A lot of people will use that as a reason to beat up on themselves or to feel bad or guilty or wrong. And you just like really, you know. And stay even more stuck. And then they stay even more stuck because you're just in this deep spiral of self-hatred, really. Right. And we're we're taught to that. Look, you know, just look at our justice system. Look, I mean, there's got to be someone to blame. It's got to be someone (laughs) else's fault, right? right? And it certainly isn't mine. So the dominant world culture teaches and reinforces that it's someone else's fault. And so we want to pin our lack of success on someone else. And as twisted as that sounds, somehow that gives us a sense of righteousness. Sometimes that gives us a sense of power, but it really is a false power because it's still a response or a reaction to something outside of yourself. Right. Like you had an experience of that the other day, Daniel, where your now more evolved self came in contact with a guy on the street that you said reminded you of your older self. Oh, right. It was so interesting. Your older Mm -hmm. self would have blamed the you now for their own poverty. Like, hey, this asshole in a suit is the reason that I'm broke. 
Yeah, or not even so much as the reason, but I was at the ferry terminal and walked past a guy who was a painter, a house painter, in his full, you know, painter clothes, all covered, smoking a cigarette, just covered with paint, and looking pretty jaded at the world. And I was looking pretty sharp. I was looking pretty, pretty fly that day. And I walked past him and I saw instantaneously and I felt his distaste and his like eye rolling, like who does this guy think he is kind of thing, right? And I instantly got taken back into the moment when I was that guy and when I thought it was my duty to like work super hard for a living and every single dollar that I had, I had to like bust my ass for and it was almost like a badge of honor and the tables were totally turned and I saw myself inside of him and the old me would have looked at a guy looking real nice and clean in the middle of a, of a weekday and think, who is this jackass? You know, I'm out here working hard for my money. Like, what is this guy doing? Not even knowing anything about this person and passing my own judgment. So I saw in his eyes and in his energetics towards me where I used to be. All in a split second. And it was actually radically healing because I was like, oh, wow, that used to be how I thought. That used to be how I would look. I would see somebody in like a nice car and actually think negative thoughts about them, not knowing a thing about this person, mm -hmm. right? So you're right, Rachel. Yeah, it was a whole full circle moment. That plays into some of the fears that you work with women on of, of staying small and not wanting to be seen because I've heard you even say that of like, who does she think she is? And I even said at the beginning of this interview about you, I thought, who is she just like donating five grand? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like it ostracizes you from the community tribe mm -hmm. to, to stand out and to be successful and yeah. claim your power. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, when you asked about, well, then what? you know, recognizing the beliefs and, and then what do I do to help deconstruct it? Or I love the sacred fire. I can't remember exactly how you <laughs> oh, said yeah, that, but good. then like, what's next? I mean, there are a variety of uh, steps in the process, but I think, you know, at the time that we have here today, what I'd like to highlight that I think both of you are speaking to here is the importance of really establishing what are your core values? What is it that matters most to me? You know, I support women in creating the ultimate freedom that they most desire spiritually, financially, um, so that they can experience, you know, their sovereignty. They can experience who their souls intended them to come to be. And uh, in order for us to do that, we need to know what our terms are. Right. And most of us do not know our own terms. We know our mama's terms. We know our religion's terms. <laughs> we know our neighbor's terms. We know the enemy's terms. We know the you know, the person that we're not going to vote for terms. So I, we're, we're usually either unconsciously carrying someone's terms or we're fighting against someone's terms that are not our terms, but we don't even know what they are. Like, or even if you have an inkling of your terms, yes. you may have some shame around like, well, who am I to even do that? Like who everybody else here is starving. And I want an extra day off. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's another belief. I love how you, you're both speaking to these and really how much they influence then the choices that you make. So establishing, you know, what are your core values? What are your terms? And then what are the, what are the thoughts? Because a, a beliefs are just thoughts that have been repeated enough that they become established. Well, and all thoughts and so become what are, form. And all thoughts become form. So what are the thoughts that are going to create the reality that you want? Right. And it doesn't have a specific price point. Like success isn't that you're making, you know, multiple six figures necessarily. Success could be that you get to wake up without an alarm every day and eat really delicious food. Mm -hmm. Oh, there's plenty of people out there that are making multiple six figures every day and are a total slave to their life. They're, They're a slave miserable. to the life they've created. Yeah. Yeah. Really sick. And they never get to enjoy it at all. So part of this as well, I think, is a shift in our idea of abundance that we're not necessarily buying into the image we're marketed and the image we're sold is like, like you're talking about, Kendra, what are your terms? What is your version of abundance? What's an abundant life? Mm -hmm. Do you want abundant time? Do you want abundant friends mm -hmm. and community? Do you want abundant bank account? Mm -hmm. Do you want all of the above? Yeah. Yeah. Time freedom. You know, utilize your resources in a way that feels good to yourself, to your family, to your community. Absolutely. And I think that that's, uh, I'm so glad you brought this up because that is one of the illusions that I think that we need to pop, you know, this bubble that it's like that dangling carrot is, is that people are 
trying to achieve something that that doesn't exist. And I've worked with a lot of people who make six figures, multiple six figures, seven figures, but they've constructed a business model or a way of life that they still don't feel free, right? you know, and we can see, you know, examples of that everywhere. It's like, I believe that if there is any facet of your life that's being driven by the motive for money, that you are still a slave to it. Mm. You know, and so people who quote unquote make a lot of money, you know, most of them are still trapped by it. And then they can get in that perpetual, you know, hamster wheel of like, then it's just more, 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 more. Right. But you know, as to they say, the incompleteness, mm-hmm, the incompleteness, as they say, wherever you go, there you are. And, you know, one of the things that I teach is that we give a certain amount of power to money that really doesn't exist. We project on money and we desire money to fulfill emotional needs where it's not money's job to do so. Yeah, absolutely. So Kendra, I would love to hear about your story and how you got into wealth consciousness and working with women and uh, really healing all of the money shadows. Mm. Yeah, were you just like born into independent wealth and this is something that you've (laughs) always had or did you have to find your own way? Yeah, well, it's the latter. I found my own way and uh, I love it. It's fun to share my story because... Well, I mean, it's it's my journey, and, and I, <laughs> I loved have, it. Yeah, I've learned how to uh, <laughs> embrace it and and love it. But also, I did not set out to be a businesswoman. I did not set out to be a teacher of wealth consciousness, and nor did I, especially given some of my experiences with money, ever think I'd be coaching people on money. Uh, I did have a lot of scarcity beliefs about money. I, too, was someone who is in the category of a hippie and a healer, someone who was very passionate about social change and thought that money was the source of evil, if not at least contributing to it. I've come from a social service background, and uh, I was aware of the gap between the haves and the have-nots. And as someone who's just so geared towards wanting to help our planetary change, I just thought, no, it's it's not about money. Um, so in terms of my story, I mean, I, I, from a very young age, I, I knew I was going to help change the world. I didn't know what mm-hmm. that meant. But, you know, when I was in uh, college, I, I studied um, social and organizational change, women's studies, really found myself intrigued by what is it that separates, you know, the people that have an ordinary life from the people who have an extraordinary life? And why is it that some people have success and some don't? Why is it that some people are in this perpetual state of of struggle and dissatisfaction? And why are there some people that are like happy and joyful, right? And and I wasn't happy and joyful at that stage in my life. I was depressed. I had a low self-esteem. I didn't believe in myself. I felt pretty overwhelmed and, and lost. And yet there's always been a part of my my drive and my soul that has like known that there's something more. There's another way. You know, there are times that I felt weird and kind of outside, you know, and like, what's going on? Why? why? <laughs> well, this is just a weird world. But yeah. I took it to mean that, that was there was something wrong with me. So at any rate, I got involved with advocacy. And in particular, I worked with people with developmental disabilities for many years. I taught people with developmental disabilities uh, self-determination skills, which is you know, I've always, I have a soft place in my heart for people who fall through the cracks, you know, people in our, our service system who are not treated with the, I think, the level of dignity, you know, that we all deserve. And they are certainly one of those populations yeah. that are, you know, talked down to. And at any rate, I worked in the nonprofit and I was very passionate about that work, uh, you know, teaching service providers and families how to to, to see people with disabilities as having value and contributions to our society. On that path, I found some limits to what I could accomplish. Uh, as someone who has an ambition to have significant imprint on this planet, um, I found, you know, oh, I have to apply for a grant in order to have the resources. And to fill be out this form. And, and this fill form. out this form. And then there's the bureaucracy. Right. And then I thought, oh, well, maybe I need to get involved with politics. And so I started educating legislators on you know, how could we could create some policies or, you know, laws that would affect right. people with disabilities. And that process oh just my God, was like molasses. Molasses is just like, 
slow. <laughs> Welcome to the red tape I, factory. Exactly. <laughs> so I, there's no way I could sit. Plus, I'm just, I'm really not good at having a boss. I'm just no. not good at having anybody tell me what to do. And of course, of that system, there were rules I had to play by. There was like, oh, you know, you, you, you know, you got to talk to people a certain way and, you know, establish favors with this person. And I was like, oh, my God, it's so convoluted and it's going to take forever. So I <laughs> one turning point for me was is that I, I traveled to Nigeria, Africa, and I at that point had decided I wanted to take my work global. I didn't know what that meant. And I, I went as a, a global citizen to help create uh, peace in a very very corrupt area. It's where I was in Nigeria is the fifth richest region for oil in the world. And uh, they did not and still don't have some of the same uh, international laws that they have to uh, work under. So there, there's still a lot of really awful things happening to the villages, to the people, to the waters, to, you know, the, the fish are dying. I mean, they're just the the amount of, you know, gas flares and spills and all that stuff. It's just, I was mortified. I mean, it was a real wake-up call for me, too, as someone who knew these kinds of things were happening on the planet. You read about it, you watch documentaries, but to, like, be on the soil and, you know, see the children and see the women and see the families and what they're going through. They don't even bathe in clean water. I mean, I was just like, how does this even exist on our planet? And so when I returned from Nigeria, for me, I, I know I'm sure Rachel's heard me say this a number of times. I was just like, Kendra, like, get over yourself. Right. You know, there is so much pain and suffering on this planet. And I was still prescribing to the belief that I wasn't enough. I still didn't have enough skills. I needed more education. Maybe I'll just get one more certification or maybe I need a PhD. You know, I had pursued my master's and I thought, oh, good. You know, that, that gives me another credential. But and so that's another way that scarcity consciousness stuck, yeah. is. It's a way of staying stuck, the not enoughness. And so, you know, I give thanks for that soil in Africa and those people because they, they really shook me up and told me that it was time. It was time to be willing to fail. It was time to be willing to make mistakes in front of people. And I, and I launched into, I mean, at the time I was working in nonprofit, I had graduated and I was doing coaching within the context of an organization. You know, I hadn't had the courage to go out on my own as a business person. I was in one of those like transition jobs that lasted <laughs> six years you know how that is like oh, i'll just be here six months or okay. maybe two years um and you know it, it was a leap into me being responsible for my own paycheck me being responsible for creating a livelihood that would put food on my table that would give me shelter and there is a way that our system is constructed to keep us I think trapped. Oh, fearful because about doing so that. So you you think that like what about you your five hundred one k and your whatever all that four hundred one k whatever I don't even know what it's called anymore. I don't even know what it's exactly. And my medical benefits and my retirement and all that yes. shit. Yes, and there's so there are so many people, and I was one of them, were that were dragging out, staying in a soul sucking situation because I was beholden to the belief that I needed it. I was dependent upon it, mm -hmm. and it was the responsible thing to do is the practical thing to yeah. do right and don't get me wrong because I mean I loved my work it wasn't like I hear so many people who just hate their jobs it's just that I knew that there was another level of my purpose that needed to be expressed mm -hmm. and so yeah I got into doing business I just I had no idea what I was doing in some level on some level right like I didn't know marketing I didn't know sales I mean all that stuff just made my skin crawl because like oh my god I'm gonna have to become a salesperson right and all pitchy and, and like yeah, yeah. I remember people are gonna yeah. think I'm slimy and I'm trying to get something from mm -hmm. them which is another one another of the beliefs one of the that ways. come up around us offering our gifts to the world you know we think people are going to think we have an ulterior motive or right. that we just want money. Or like every marketing thing has to be like some McDonald's commercial or yeah. something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was a belief that I held for a long time because mm -hmm. of my distaste for advertisement. Of I course. thought it was all brainwashing. And so even when I was in, you know, mm. business as a contractor, it was a little bit hard, quote, selling yourself. Mm -hmm. Because there was something that was just tainted in my in my idea of 
that transaction. Mm-hmm. Well, and when you don't trust that your financial freedom comes from the divine, mm-hmm. then it is scary to step out. And it does feel icky to be selling something instead of saying, you know what? I really have something awesome here that can help you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well said. I mean, really, that's the spirit of which I was able to uh, reconnect with was the love and the passion and the sincere drive and genuine care I have for helping people. Mm-hmm. And I believe that when we have gifts, it, it's actually our sacred obligation to give them. Um, it is, I think, a very selfish way of being in the world to have skills, strengths, gifts, and to be holding on to them. Really, it's a form of hoarding, right? Mm-hmm. Because we're like, oh, I'm, I'm still not ready. I'm still not ready. I still don't know how to do this or whatever. So that's really one of my passionate call outs to people, the change agents of the planet right now in particular, you know, the luminaries, the light workers, the healers, the artists, the visionaries, right? We need us to help co-create the new paradigm. So I thought that business was just god-awful, like just I would have to go into using strategies and methods that felt really inauthentic to me. Mm -hmm. And I'm one of those people, you know, early on in my life where I dedicated my life to authenticity. And for me, in my 20s, I define that as being as my insides and my outsides match. Yes, it's painful. mm -hmm, It's totally painful. It's torture for me. And so money represented one of those things that were inauthentic. And I just couldn't see, I couldn't reconcile the part of me that was spiritual, the part of me that was valued and values and, and principle centered, the part of me that was so deeply committed to authenticity. It's like the money system was separate from that. It felt like the antithesis of it. So at any rate, I decided to launch into doing my business, and I lived uh, for, a, there was a time, a stretch that I was living on 10 acres of land in the woods, which was a dream for me, mm-hmm. and I wanted, to, I wanted to understand what it meant to feel rich, because I knew that part of this venture into prosperity was about me feeling it on the inside, right? It's an experience. It's not an acquiring of more stuff. It's, it's not like, oh, I have these symbols and now it means I'm rich. Right. I knew it had to be something that I felt from within. And so I thought, oh, well, what a better environment than to, you know, live in a small cottage. And I had my, uh, I had a fire, you know, and I, I get to chop my wood and stoke my own fire, which was like one of my things on my bucket list. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I just great. loved it. And, <laughs> and I really felt broke. I felt broke and I was feeling a lot of desperation. I was feeling a lot of like I'm a fraud kind of thoughts because I was good at what I did. I was an excellent coach. I was very sincere in my motive to help create change, but I couldn't pay my bills. (laughs) And, you know, as each month went by, that became less and less of a like, oh, I have any wiggle room. And I wasn't a person that had a lot of savings or actually any savings, truth be told. (laughs) And I had been using credit cards. And uh, I got to a place where one month, I didn't have enough money to pay for groceries. And I was just embroiled with a lot of embarrassment and shame. And I had to put groceries on a credit card. And for me, that felt like one of my biggest lows because I thought, I don't have like the currency in the flow to pay for my food. And I had to put it on a credit card. Not only did I have to put it on a credit card, but that was like the last bit on that credit card. It was like I had to I had to go through the grocery store and and like I was, you know, noticing how much I should spend based on just the little bit that was left. Right. Everything was stretched to the limit. So, yeah, that sounds like a spot of terror like real fear and it, yes oh and gosh. and i i call it you know i mean that stretch of time was one of my dark nights of the soul the dark night that i had with money and you know that by nature one of the purposes of a dark night is a real deep stripping down and getting to the essence of what is being revealed to you and we can either run from it um, or it's going to run us. Yep. And so I, I was able to recognize, oh, there's a message in this for me. There's something here for me. So rather than getting swept up in the terror, being totally debilitated by it, you know, I, I mean, because I was, I, I was up having restless nights, you know, dealing with insomnia, um, just feeling a lot of anxiety. And I just thought, okay, all right. So at this point in my life, I have 
become very devoted to my spirituality. And I was calling on spirit. I was calling on source to give me some guidance. Give me, oh, please, you know, give yeah. me some kind of information. Yes, <laughs> some kind of breakthrough, some something. And it, it was, it was, I was kind of in this pleading state and I felt very small. And then it dawned on me two things, two things that were very significant at this turning point for me. One is, is I heard a voice or message, oh, stop your groveling. Like, stop acting like a victim. Stop right. acting like pleading to some God outside of you is the solution. Mm. You are a divine expression of God, God of source. Yeah. And you want to turn this around? Start thinking and acting as if that is the truth because it is. Right. And I realized that as much as I was like, oh, no, I just can't. I can't figure out the money game. I was using it as an excuse to play small. Right. And I needed to take responsibility for that. I needed to wake up to the reality that I conveniently had constructed money struggles so that I didn't have to show up in the fullness of my power, the fullness of, of my mission on this planet. Oh, how convenient that yeah. I don't have any money. Yeah, it's a because lovely what distraction. Happens is, is, exactly. It is a distraction. You're preoccupied with money, so then you can't, you can't evolve to a more enlightened and masterful state of the gifts that you're here to give, right? If I'm just figuring out how to pay my bills, then... I don't have time to become more, like, visible. Oh, right. Awesome change agent. <laughs> awesome change agent. Creating foundations or, and or radical change. better yeah. parent or whatever it may be mm -hmm. that it is for all of us, right? So that was one of them, was like, okay, stop your groveling, right? You right. are spirit. Like, stop praying to some kind of force that's outside of you and, and take the force that you are and, and be more conscious with how you influence your relationship right, with your big money. girl pants my big girl panties exactly <laughs> and then the other part was recognizing that I had left money out of my spiritual practice right so things that had turned around in my life things that had become meaningful things that had become more peaceful in my life the route to that has been through my spirituality so it was like, well, of course I'm struggling with money. I'm not relating to it in a sacred manner. And so that was a big shift for me. And I started intentionally interacting with money as a sacred entity, as a, a relationship that, that was high and holy. And that was revolutionary What are me. some of the ways that you do that? Just a couple yeah. out of curiosity. Yeah, yeah. Well, for one, I just, on a basic level, I just start talking to it differently, right? Right. I mean, if you think about being in a relationship with like, you know, your own partner and you're telling your partner every day, oh, you're not enough. You're never there for me. Oh, I can't stand that. You're just, you're not around. You're so needy. You're so needy. It's like, I want you, but I don't want you. I want more of you, but I don't want you. Oh, okay. you're such a pain at, right? Like, all of those are very repelling mm -hmm. ways of trying to get your partner to change. <laughs> like, it's so critical. It's so condemning. Well, that's how I was talking to money. Yeah. I was giving it mixed messages. And I was repelling the very thing I said I want. So the first thing was just, like, how do I talk to money? Like, oh, I'm curious about you. I'm really interested in having more of you in my life. You know, you are another expression of the creative intelligence. I'd like to get to know you more. Right? Yeah. You know, one of the teach things, me about you. One of the things that I did when I first started working with you and I was really wanting to shift my money consciousness and wealth consciousness is I, um, I think that this is technically illegal and... But I'm going In the to share, best of ways. But I'm going to share anyway. Yeah, your anarchist likes this. <laughs> <laughs> Is I would write all these beautiful affirmations um, and loving, like love notes to money on the money. And I drew all these red hearts on all my coins in my coin purse. And then was just, I felt like I was blessing everybody. And so this thing that I thought felt was dirty, it was like I transformed it into something really beautiful. And it was like a, a prayer that everybody would get to receive. And I was really excited to think that one day the money that I wrote on maybe would come back to me. I'm still waiting. I'm still open to it. I I'm open to that. That'd be really cool. We went through a period Fun. of a few months where, yeah, every single bill that we touched, we'd write something like, 
financial abundance is your divine birthright, like in right. the margins of the bill, you know? Mm-hmm. And it, it felt so good. It was really healing for me, too. And I, I even changed the text on my checks to, I think it says, um, yeah, I'll, I'll read it. Like, you can, get, you can get messages printed on your checks, you know? You can have them print anything you want on your checks. Pulling out a check right now. I love it. <laughs> yeah, so now my checks say, money flows easily and I am prosperous and grateful. Yeah, and it's like printed right on the checks. That's so cool. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. Another way that I brought sacredness to my relationship with money is is that I included it in my altar. Mm-hmm. And uh, for me, that was actually putting physical money on my altar. And just that in itself was an elevation of it from being something that was dirty and, you know, a pain in the butt and all of those beliefs to, wow, you know, my altar is is a, a space of sacredness. You know, I put stones there. I put, you know, an eagle feather there. I put all of these things that I, I revere and I hold in high esteem, which is part of what, you know, sacredness is about. I pray to it. I give thanks to it. You know, so just even putting money uh, in that realm for me initially was it completely turned things around and then that just became a practice it, it became a, a ritual to to give thanks and praise and rejoice to, to money and then because in universal law whatever it is that we pay attention to grows I was able to see initially not such big shifts but as it started gaining traction it was significant Right. It would be like first I just started manifesting more money and I was like, oh, wow, I just, you know, I got another client. And then oh, and then all of a sudden, a couple months later, I was my income had doubled. And uh, I just I really do attribute it to this whole practice of sacred and money. Yeah. Well, and one of the other ways that I see that you weave the sacred into money, and this is one of the things that I think every religion on our planet does very well, is the concept of tithing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is huge. Um, mm-hmm. What can you say about tithing and, and doing good by doing mm-hmm. good? Yeah, well, you know, that's one of my favorite prosperity teachings. And for me, I have two practices in that regard. One is the tithing and one is giving to causes. And to me, those are separate things. But basically, I mean, I have a mentor that does teach doing well by doing good, doing good by doing good. And it's understanding that, you know, one of the universal laws is the law of giving and receiving, the law of reciprocity. And then the more that we give, the more that we receive. And that's so contrary to a lot of our beliefs. You know, we want to hoard. We want to hold on. We want to, you know, especially as Americans, we have this very individualistic mentality. Oh my God, it's like, houses. I just want my piece of my pie. And then we want to put walls around <laughs> yeah. us. And, you know, that's part of the survival consciousness that mm-hmm. we've been indoctrinated into. So at any rate, you know, opening our hearts and opening our minds to recognizing that actually the more that I'm willing to contribute, and that's part of the wealth consciousness is understanding that when things are, are cycling, recycling, moving through, currency is meant to be moving. Current. Current, exactly. Um, that more is grown through that. And so, you know, initially I started doing the tithing, which is just sim- it's simply about recognizing that money comes from source doesn't come from people. It doesn't come from your clients. It doesn't come from the corporations. And so that's another way that I shifted into understanding the sacredness of it is, is what is my source? And we want money to be our provider and money cannot be our provider. So when you redirect your attention to understanding the source of which our provider really comes from, there's plenty because it's, it's always going to renew. It's infinite. And so with tithing, what you're doing is you're recognizing that you are nourished and provided for by a source that's greater than yourself. And so you can choose, you know, whether it's a religious affiliation, maybe you go to church, maybe there are spiritual teachers that you work with, but wherever it is that you get spiritual growth, spiritual advancement, spiritual nourishment from, that you give back in in that way. And that's an ancient practice. Ancient. Ancient. You know, one beautiful way that you could all do that would be to contribute to our Patreon account. Oh, yeah. Speaking of. Yeah, speaking of. If this is a way that you get spiritual nourishment, you can go to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. You can type in Ecstatic Existence. There's also links on 
all of our podcast releases to do a direct deposit into PayPal or do a recurring gift through Patreon. Yeah, and I invite you to really check in with the amount of benefit that you've received from the show and let your financial gratitude be an expression of that gift that you've received. And we'll receive your gift, too. So thank you so much. Yeah. That's awesome. It is. It's so important, a form of giving thanks. So for your listeners who are receiving benefit from tuning in, all these amazing oh, so many interviews amazing. that you do, the information, I mean, and it's cutting edge, and it's, it's relevant, and it's useful. And so when you are growing and you're gaining from tuning into spiritual teachers or teachers who are advancing you spiritually, you give to them. So yeah, yeah, what a perfect way to do it. And then the second practice, again, that's separate from me than the tithing, is giving a portion of your income to causes that are doing good work in the world. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, I'm very passionate about in my mission, I'm here to help eradicate poverty on the planet. And so I personally choose to give to organizations who are, for instance, teaching children um, how to be equipped to create their own livelihoods, right? Because um, it's been proven that when children have education, that they don't create or perpetuate poverty within their own communities. So, you know, establishing a percentage and doing that, and here's part of the trick, it's doing it not only when you're quote unquote struggling, but especially when you're doing it, mm -hmm. when you're struggling. I had a client once that I was teaching this prosperity principle to, and she's like, yeah, I'll get to that in a couple months after I make more money. And I was like, no, 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 no. That's not what this is. It's because that's an illusion too. You think you're going to have a certain amount of security or a certain amount of control that the money is going to help you get, which is not true. Money doesn't have that power over us. This is about you from the humility of wherever you're standing in relationship with money to enter into a paradigm in which you trust and have faith that you will always be provided for. And that once you start giving, you will see a new flow come to you. And uh, that can only happen when you take the risk, not when you feel secure first. Right. Yeah, and something that's so beautiful that you're speaking of is this doing good by doing good. And it's really common to see, especially people that are healers or artists, because a lot of us as healers are artists in our own way. We're artists of the energetic realm. And so people that are artists or healers, massage practitioners, yoga instructors, etc., tend to think that we're so outside the system that money doesn't really work for us. Well, how are we going to change the system and call in the new paradigm if we allow all the money that's spent to be on things that we don't agree with, mm -hmm. you know? So the more money that comes into our hands, we can make conscious purchases and conscious investments in the future that we want. We can invest in a local business or a charity, like you say. We can, with every single dollar, you make a vote, right? Are you voting for McDonald's? Or are you voting for like an organic head of kale that was grown two miles from your house? Mm -hmm. You know, where's, are, where are you voting with your dollar? Mm -hmm. So the more dollars you have, the larger your vote becomes into this world that we all collectively design. Yes. Woo, I love it. And that was one of the, the declarations I made when I was struggling in my business and getting over little old me was recognizing that, oh, you know, in order for me to be an effective change agent, I need to be uh, allowing myself to make more and more money. Part of that is, is that when you learn how to manifest money wherever you are, you've actually mastered manifesting skills because it actually has nothing to do with money. It's, right. It has to do with your mindset. You know, I often say that there are no money problems. They're only mindset problems. Mm. So when you change your relationship with money, it's really because you've effectively changed your own mindset, which is key to manifesting anything and everything that you want, need, and desire anytime you want. And we all have the capacity to do that. And so that was a big part for me, Daniel, was just, just recognizing that I am not going to be effective as a broke change agent. And if I do want to change the system, which I do, uh, I want to infuse the economy with the currency of money that's filled with love and light. Right, not like fear want, and anxiety. Exactly. I want to create a currency that's for the good of all. And what better way of doing that than being someone who's in right relations with and financially free to such a degree that I can put money, like you said, you vote with your dollars. And, and I think it's our responsibility. At this point, I'm so convicted about it. You know, when I talk to people about this subject, I, I say, it's your responsibility to get rich. 
You want to help change this planet? You want to be a do-gooder? You want to, you know, and all of us do. We want something better and more for this planet. And so do it that way. Well, because ultimately if we don't, then like the evil reptilians will have their fingers in all of it as well. And yeah, I mean, build, the, building and doing things that don't mm-hmm. stand for love and light. Yeah, and I, I think you know, you, you bring politics and corporations into <laughs> it. It's, it's, it's a big subject, isn't it? And, Surely. You know, one of the things, and we've had some fun explorations together about the shadow of money, and uh, you know, it's one of the reasons why a lot of people who are value centered are repulsed by money because actually, what we see playing out is the shadow of money. We don't see a divine partnership with money and modeled in our society and our leadership. So we're like, of course we don't want that. So rather than reacting and saying, I don't want that. And which we see, you know, I can see playing out in the political climate right now. Like just do most people know what they're even for? We know what we're against. We know how to talk about the other party and we know how to, you just, you can see it between the politicians. Like I haven't seen a debate. Can I go here? Please. <laughs> I haven't seen a debate where someone has convinced me that they have some bio- viable solutions for what's going on for our planet right now. They just tear each other apart. It's right. just like, it's just it's become, really juvenile. It's like this, it's nor we've normalized bullying on TV. And we don't get that this isn't an entertainment show, or maybe it is. I don't know. That's all. But it that's is. a whole different subject, <laughs> isn't it? In that's a way, all it is. but 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 we're just we're watching the shadow play out, and so rather than us getting angry to the degree that we become bitter or resentful, right? Resentful, just wash our hands. Of wash our hands, or say fuck that. You know, I don't want to be part of that system. You know, again, I think that's a convenient excuse for not being the one that says, you know what? I'm a leader. I have a vision. I have a solution. I'm going to do something about this. So, you know, whether it's, you know, becoming a coach or writing a book or or simply being someone within your own family or your own community that becomes a voice and a starting model a for recycling, starting a foundation, teaching your family how to live more sustainably. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't necessarily have to be if you're a listener that's like, oh, you know, I'm just, <laughs> I, right. I'm, I keep it simple. Like I work with people like right. that too. It's like, you can yeah, invest in the biodegradable bag. garbage bags. Where do you put your money in <laughs> your investments? Or if you do have a retirement fund, do you even know you know where those dollars are uh you know what practices they're perpetuating so there are there are so many ways but i i think that that's really important is to instead of reacting to or making the other wrong it's like what am i for and and how is it that my relationship with money and prosperity is going to contribute to me being a stand for what we can create Mm -hmm. you know buckminster fuller i mean what a genius. He had solutions. I mean, at this point, it's like he had solutions for how we could eradicate poverty on this planet. I mean, we, we have solutions, right? So one of the things that I love that he said is that instead of fighting against the system, instead of fighting against what you don't want, um, work for what you want, because in transcending that consciousness, you make the old obsolete. Yes. And that's part of what we're going for here is just making it obsolete, obsolete by creating what what we want to create yeah, supply and demand mm, yeah wow so we have only begun to crack open the can mm. that is sacred money mm. and healing our relationship with money kendra i absolutely want to have you back again i'd this love will, it i we could probably do like so five fun. more I know. shows right I know. so great so but we're going to keep it to a nice, compact enough listen for our It's digestible. For our you audience. might need to listen to it on repeat to really get some of these nuggets to sink in. I would highly suggest that. There's a lot <laughs> There's a lot of things here that really take some time to incorporate and actually embody these, these practices. So for our listeners that want more of Kendra Thornberry before you're on another episode, how can they get in touch with you? and find out more about what you do, what it looks like to work with you privately in coaching, Mm. and maybe attend one of your fabulous retreats. Aw, thanks. Well, I think the easiest next step is to go to my website, which is KendraThornbury.com. And uh, you'll put the link in that. Oh, yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there. So you can just click on that. And, you know, what I have on my site for you is a gift. And so you can sign up for that. It's three keys to making money being you. Uh, and that's very an important part for me, right? Is again, a lot of people don't want to make money because they think they have to sacrifice who they are. They have to become someone they're not. And right now, I think that is what we are untangling ourselves from is a uh, a money system that is keeping us trapped. And in part, it's because 
you know, we just become numbed out to our own existence because we're like, oh, I just have to do this gig, I get this paycheck, so I can pay my bills, and it's just <laughs> right. And so I think that's one of the things that we crave is to build a livelihood that's based on who we authentically are and that we get rewarded and compensated for it generously. And I do believe that is our birthright and it is the natural current of this universe. So I really get into these new wealth paradigms and you know, some of the places that people get stuck in trying to create more money. And so that's in that ebook, and you just put in your name and, you know, click send it to me and and the gift I'll make appears. sure my team Aww. send it to you. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. Thank yes, you for that. my my pleasure. Yeah, and um, you have Wealthy Goddess Live in November, usually, correct? Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah, that's uh, my annual event. I gather a, a small number of women. I mean, you know, one of my my friends and colleagues calls me a business shaman. I'm very gifted at bringing together, bridging together the world of of spirit and business, of money and spirit. These things that traditionally for a lot of us have been at war and uh, and conflict with each other. And really they enhance each other extremely beautifully. Mm. And yeah, so my event, I mean, it's... It's, it's Amazing. incredible, divine, feminine. I mean, we didn't even get into the, the rise of the feminine. Right. It's all about bringing forth the new leaders, the new leaders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And marrying the two, the divine feminine and masculine, mm-hmm. ushering in divine union. Yep. Yeah. So cool. So mark your calendar for that for 2017. Yes. It takes place in November. Mm-hmm. And, uh. Yeah, I mean, I'm... <laughs> and you're all over the internet. Facebook I, I am, and... yeah. Follow me on social media. Instagram and, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And I, again, am Rachel Alcyon. You can find me at rachelalcyon.com. I also have a gift for you there, too, my ebook. And, you know, if you want to spend more time with me, which I would love to do with you, uh, join me for a personal retreat or VIP day. Uh, one of the first entry-level ways of working with me is through a self-discovery session, which is also included in the VIP experience. So yeah, many different levels of working with me, and I am excited to be of service to you. I am Daniel Alcyon. Our last name is spelled A-L-C-Y-O-N-E. You can reach out to me, email ecstaticexistence at gmail.com. If you have any questions about the show topics or you have any feedback for us, make sure to reach out to me there. Maybe you would like to be featured as a guest on the Ecstatic Existence podcast. I'd love to connect with you. Check out ecstaticexistence.com. This is my website, and I really am proud of it. There's a lot of cool things, so explore away there. Everything from a whole library of instructional mudra videos. And moving mandalas. Living mandalas. There's free downloads. There's all kinds of stuff. I also provide a self-discovery session as the entry point to working with me. And something that I'm really excited about offering is the modality of a DNA life activation. Oh, yeah. This is an in-person only session. This is not available by distance. But so if you are either in the Seattle area or if you're following us and keeping up with where we're traveling to, you can make an appointment to schedule a DNA life activation. This is basically turning on all of the dormant capabilities that are already residing within you and really lighting you up to live your full life's purpose. It's the most exciting thing that I'm offering right now because it really is turning on the planet to their innate gifts. Oh, yeah. I want everybody in the world to get life activated. It was a massive mm, change in my huge life. Huge shift. That's really life. the goal. Get everyone life activated. So even if you're not in the area, you can always hop on a plane and come get that from either one of us. Yeah. Reach out. And one more time. We should tell them about the uh, our couple stuff, too. Of course. So exciting. Uh, So spring 2017, Essence of Ecstasy Passionate Partnership Program. This is the first time that we are unveiling this to the public, and it's a four-week online program for couples. You know, we've done retreats and in-person stuff, and that's incredible, the energy that builds. Uh, And yet we know there's a few of you lurking out there that are still a little bit timid and don't want to do the in-person group experience. So this is for just you and your beloved in the privacy and comfort of your own home, there's a day-by-day study guide. It's super hot. Can't wait to share more about it. So Yeah, yeah. and you'll, you'll receive all the ongoing support that you would in person. So it's really a lovely, lovely way to get deeper with your partner, get deeper with yourself, and create the relationship of your dreams. Yeah. We love you all so much. Thank you, family. This level of abundance and prosperity 
is your innate birthright. Continue to live your own ecstatic existence. We love you so much. See you next time. The light workers, the healers, the artists, the visionaries, the artists, the visionaries, the artists, the visionaries, the artists, the visionaries, the artists, the visionaries. I'm a leader. I have a vision. I have a solution. I have a. I'm going to do something. 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 I'm going to do something.